0: America's healthcare system is in extremis. Do we continue life support, or should we just pull the plug? Or is there another option? You are listening to Reach MD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the business of medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell. Joining me today is Newt Gingrich. Newt is well known as the architect of the contract with America that led the Republican Party to victory in 1994 by capturing the majority in the U.S. House for the first time in 40 years. After he was elected Speaker, he disrupted the status quo by moving power out of Washington and back to the American people. As an author, Newt has published nine books, including several fiction and nonfiction bestsellers. In his book, Saving Lives and Saving Money, Newt describes his vision of a 21st century system of health and healthcare that is centered on the individual, prevention-focused, knowledge-intense, and innovation-rich. Moreover, he makes the case for a market-mediated system that will improve choice and quality while driving costs down. Mr. Gingrich, you have a recent book that just came out called Paper Kills, and in it you speak about transforming health and healthcare with information technology. What's the main thrust of the book? Well, Paper
1: Kills, which I have to say Dave Merritt at the Center for Health Transformation did a great job of putting together and working with a whole team of people is interesting because it talks about how to transform health and healthcare using information technology. And we have a number of really, really smart people who helped put together this book, a number of PhDs, a number of medical doctors. And I think that anybody who's interested in a very brief introduction, it's only about 150 pages long, and it really gives you a terrific introduction to all the different evolutionary developments that are going on in information technology. Now, why does that matter? Well, let me say, first of all, if you want to see the difference between bureaucratic, traditional 20th century models, and what can be done with information technology, take a look on YouTube at a video we did that runs three and a half minutes. It's under my name. We just put my name in YouTube. It's called FedEx versus federal bureaucracy. And it starts with the premise, and I ask every audience how many of them have tracked a package at UPS or FedEx. UPS tracks 15 million packages a day. FedEx tracks 8 million packages a day. A UPS truck has more computing power than Apollo 13 that went to the moon. And so we start with what are the potential available, particularly because information technology is continuing to evolve. Moore's law says that the amount of computing power you can buy per dollar uh, doubles every 18 months, or I'm sorry, every 16 months. Turns out that's that's a factor of 100 per decade. So if in 1960 you could buy one unit of computing power for your money. In 1970, you could buy 100 units. In 1980, you could buy 10,000 units. In 1990, you could buy a million units. In 2000, you could buy 100 million units. And in 2010, you will be able to buy 10 billion times as many units per dollar as you could in 1960. That, by the way, is the lifespan of a nuclear-powered aircraft carrier, which is why I always use that length of time, because it, it means that when you're trying to design... The next generation system, you have to be aware that in the lifetime of the ship you're building, now think of a hospital along the same way. Think of a doctor's office in the same way. Between the rise of, of wireless being ubiquitous everywhere and the rise of massive computing and massive storage, we are on the edge of a revolution. Revolution starts with what you, the individual doctor, does. We were working with Allscripts, who have a doctor firm in North Fulton County. It's the North Fulton Family Medicine Clinic. And I went to visit them, and it's a fabulous story. In 1998, four doctors in a small clinic in Alpharetta, Georgia, decide that they're going to go to a paperless system built around their workflow, so that that Allscripts actually worked with them to design their workflow in a way that would really be effective. They discovered to their shock that in the first 18 months, they saved a million dollars, that it saved $33 per visit.
0: Wow. And it may have saved a few lives.
1: So it saves lives. So today, nine years later, there are 10 doctors in four locations. They have far more patients than they used to. They deal with them much more efficiently. And as one of the doctors said to me with enormous pride, they go home at 5.15 because they don't have to stay to transcribe. They don't have to stay to review. They did it when they did it, and it's done. Now, that's the kind of breakthrough thinking that we think has the potential to really consistently Develop new approaches, and 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 you can apply it to doctor's office. Uh, you can apply it to the hospital. We have a terrific uh, chapter by Brandon Savage, uh, the chief medical officer at GE Healthcare, on leveraging information technology to uh, support efforts on early health. We have a number of really first-rate people talk. For example, the the whole issue of how do you get uh, systems to talk to each other? Interoperability is the term that's used. We have Dr. Edward Hammond, who is the professor emeritus at Duke University on this topic. And as you go through and you look at the things we're trying to do, uh, MEDM, which is a system which has produced a personal health record for every American, Dr. Edward Foch, uh, who's the head of MEDM, has an article in in this book. So we really went out and we really found people. I mentioned Allscripts and Glenn Tolman, the CEO of Allscripts, has an article here on uh, best practices in ambulatory care. Scott Sirota, who's the president and CEO of Blue Cross Blue Shield, they have developed a program. He has a, a chapter on better knowledge for for healthier lives they have a program now where they've got i think 79 million lives that are now interconnected in the blue cross blue shield system across the whole country and we did a press conference recently with wellpoint and anthem and with united health and with blue cross blue shield announcing a nationwide initiative for all the major insurance companies to develop interoperable information so that you'd be able to have a personal health record across the whole system. So we see lots of opportunities, and we believe it's possible that you can bring together this knowledge in a depersonalized way. And this is the other great, exciting thing about information technology and healthcare. We recently had a session here at the Center for Health Transformation. and had people from all backgrounds, including almost every major government program that deals with this, uh, looking at the whole concept of what can we do with all this vast amount of data to allow us to learn what best practices are, what best outcomes are? And we believe that it is possible that you're going to see a revolution in the quality of information about healthcare because we're simply going to have so much new knowledge that we historically didn't have in the past.
0: If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Business of Medicine on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell. With me today is Speaker Newt Gingrich, and we're talking about how technology is going to save healthcare. I completely agree with you. We have made our office electronic and have saved significant amounts of money, and one of the big problems is rolling that out to the masses, and most doctors do not want to pay for it. So what is the government doing to encourage private physicians to shell out their money to to use the technology?
1: Let me be clear that i failed so far. I mean, it's one of the more frustrating things I've been involved in. But starting in 2002, I advocated the equivalent of President Eisenhower's 1955 National Defense Highway Act. You'll remember, President Eisenhower proposed that in order to survive nuclear war, that we needed an interstate highway system that would enable us to evacuate the cities this was the original purpose of the of the interstates, and the federal government put up the money and designed a nationwide system which is the base of all middle class travel in America. It's the base of all of our truck industry. It has been a stunningly effective dual use system because in peacetime we have used it to make our society more efficient and more effective, and yet it's sitting there available to be used as we did recently. In evacuating Houston before a hurricane hit, so we know that the system will work in a stunningly effective way. so in that setting i 've advocated that we have a, a national security health Information Technology Act because I believe if you look at the results of Katrina, where a million one hundred thousand paper records were destroyed during the hurricane, and you ended up, for example, at m d Anderson Hospital in Houston with four hundred chemotherapy patients. Who had no record people did not know the, the, what, what their disease state was they didn 't know what what stage of the problem they were involved in, what, what chemotherapy they'd already had It was a nightmare and you look at that and you think about either a pandemic or an engineered biological attack or a nuclear event, paper is going to kill people, which is why we entitled our book paper kills in addition and this is just an intellectual argument we have just failed to get across to the government. The fact is. If you had an all-paperless health system, just in reducing fraud in New York State alone, where it is estimated there's a minimum of $4,400,000,000 a year in Medicaid fraud, and the number could go as high as 17 or $18 billion a year, just in New York State alone, the ability to have electronic anti-fraud systems, which is what, of course, American Express and Visa and MasterCard specialize in, would enable you to pay for virtually the entire investment in information technology just by the increased accuracy of government payments. But to go a step beyond that, you can't have a Toyota production system, Six Sigma, lean manufacturing, Deming quality system without data. And hospitals and doctors who aren't electronic find it very expensive to generate data. But hospitals that go to all electronic systems, you know, Piedmont Hospital went to Computer physician order entry about two years ago, along with a program of quality education for their doctors, they believe they've reduced medication error by ninety three percent.
0: It's impressive. Mr. Gingrich, the VA seems to be on the right track. They've had electronic medical records for quite some time and they've actually made it available to to anyone who wants it for free. What's your experience been with that system?
1: It's a remarkable system and, and in many ways it works, although I would point out that over a million veterans have joined Medicare Part D for their drug benefit because there are some very substantial limitations at the VA on the drugs you can get. There are about 6,000 drugs that are not available through the VA. But it, it has been a powerful system, partly because it was the first big system to invest heavily in information technology. And you have to give the Veterans Administration credit that in the 1990s, they were very deeply involved in putting in place electronic health records and electronic data flow long before almost any system in the private sector thought of the scale of investment that the VA has made. So uh, I give them a lot of credit. I'm very impressed with them. And I think that some of the work they do is absolute cutting edge. I, I would suggest, though, that they have the enormous advantage of being able to draw on private sector docs and private sector specialists and being in a country where the rate of innovation in the private sector is radically greater than in the government sector. If you look at the total breakthroughs in healthcare over the last 30 years, you'll see a lot more breakthroughs with a singular area where they've been been very effective of dealing with prosthetics where they're the leading developer of new prosthetics uh, probably in the world uh because they have such a such a substantial uh investment in helping veterans who have lost limbs and and that's an area where Again, as a part of our national security, we owe it to the young men and women who risk their lives for this country to get them the best equipment and the best tools if they do end up having that kind of a problem.
0: Mr. Gingrich, I know that the pharma industry has a huge lobby in Washington. I think it's probably the biggest lobby, over 1,000 lobbyists. And is this something that's going to help you or hinder you in your changes?
1: I think every interest group tries to protect their interests. Pharma has a big lobby in Washington, but the truth is the hospitals of America have far more reach than pharma does, because they're in every town and they're very often the largest employer in town. So when you look at, you know, would you rather have 15 or 20 very large corporations, or would you rather have three or four or five thousand local organizations? I'm I'm not sure which I would want to pit against each other, but I think the fact is every major interest group in healthcare works very hard, from the insurance companies to the medical doctors to the device manufacturers to the pharmaceuticals to the hospitals. And that's just
0: a reality. Newt Gingrich, I would like to thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, and you've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thank you for listening.